Welcome to Your Grit Story Podcast, where we chat with founders, leaders, and changemakers to learn about their journey to make the future a reality. I'm Eric, your friendly host. Follow us on where you are tuning in or find us on any social media channels to catch highlights and snippets of our episodes. Let's be inspired by the stories while you create your great story. All right, we are back on Your Great Story podcast as part of the Origins series. We uncover the day ones of starting up right, for founders and the growing pains of scaling up and running a startup. So today we have Eugene Ng, co-founder and CRO of Stuff Any, a very fast-growing startup in the HR tech space. Welcome to the show, Eugene. Yeah, thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for the invitation as well. Super excited to share and also hopefully inspire the rest while listening to this. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while. We tried to really match a few times, but it's, it's really glad that you are with us today. Why not? Why not this? Why not you start off by giving us a quick intro by yourself, right? And so we get to know you. On to you, Eugene. Sure, that's great. So, hi everyone, I'm Eugene. I think just now uh, Eric gave an intro of what I've, uh, I'm doing now, right? So, maybe a little more intro is for myself. I think during my four years in uni, I studied at the NUS. Right? I tried two to three ventures on my own. Of course, uh, didn't work out. And uh, this is a venture that I started with my other uh, co-founders, right? After graduation. So, I think we are like uh, fresh out of college founders. But the journey so far has been uh, super amazing, exciting and challenging. Nice, nice. nice. Still, Tell us a bit more about like the journey that you had, right? So you mentioned you tried a few ventures uh, for the past few years. Tell us a bit more, like how you land on uh, what you're working on now. Right, right. So maybe I can jump straight to how I landed on towards what I'm working on now, right? So uh, currently we are building Starfanny. Maybe I'll have a chance to also share in terms of uh, how Starfanny even uh, started, right? Because I think it's always about the story in terms of uh, how we even identify this uh, issue, right? So one of my uh, co-founder, Jensen, prior to uh, uni, right, he used to run a bar himself. Right, and that is uh, where you know he needs to you know manage his guys, schedule them, them coming, turning up for work, need to you know punch in, punch out, right? Mm. But at the point of time, I think they are using some time clocking machine. At the end of the month, right, he need to consolidate all these uh, timings, which he, he writes is always inaccurate, it's always wrong, right? Because of the variability of the shifts of the blue collar workforce, and on top of that, instead of on top of managing people, he also need to bring in sales, mm. do marketing for the F and B, right? And he writes that oh my goodness, all this is a crazy amount of work, right? So I think fast forward, three years later, uh, three of my other co-founders, Jensen, Jeremy and Kai, they went to Silicon Valley for a year to do their uh, NOC program, right? That's where they realized a lot of uh, F&B and retail are using uh, tech in their operations. So after coming back to Singapore, they realized, hey, why not we do uh, something different, right? And that is uh, how uh, Staff Any come about. But it's through a personal, I would say, uh, problem that Jensen faced. Mm-hmm. And we decided to be the first and the strongest in South Asia to solve this problem. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Very interesting story on how I always like the stories of founders kind of seeing the problems themselves mm. and then getting a group of strong founders and a strong team, in fact, right, together to mm. solve the problem together, moving this solution to make an impact. So share with us about this strong founding team that you have, right, Jensen, yeah. yourself and others. How do you guys meet in, and how do you guys grow from four packs to, like, today there's like 50 over maybe, right, in stuff? Yeah, that's about 40 plus. 40 plus, yeah. Plus so, 50 around there, yeah. Yeah, share with us more about how, how this team came yeah, out together. So, so, yeah. yeah, so actually I met Jensen during my army days, uh. Right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, after BMT, then uh, we were fortunate to be embarked into OCS, right? Then he was actually my section mate, right? Then even after commissioning, right, we went to the same unit. So, I've uh, been for quite some time already. Wow. Right. Then I think I met Kai during a uni module in NUS. I think it's a, it's a CS3216. 
So that's where I met Kai. We went to do some uh, mini project together. And uh, how Kai, Jensen and Jeremy met right, was actually a NOCSV. So after coming back, right, it's like the final semester of uni, right? That's where we all stay at the end house. Oh. So you see, this is uh, how they, <laughs> the story all uh, link up together. Wow. Wow, actually this is new. This is new. Like, you guys met, you and Jensen met in army. Uh, which batch? OCS? Uh... Oh, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> okay, it's 712. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I was from 6907, by the way. So it's like super... Um, <laughs> Reveling of age here, right? <laughs> so you guys met, met from different kind of paths, but you guys land on a common end house. Is it? Then you guys, this idea... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Nice, 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 nice. And how do you guys grow from four packs, hiring the first few members of the team, core team, and now to 40 plus? How did that happen? Right, so maybe I'll sh- share in terms of how they happen in terms of uh, phases, right? Mm. I think that the initial phase, right, you know, probably after our angel round, before the seed round, right, that is where the team is uh, really small, right? And that is, I think, the phase whereby it's a lot of discovery of the problem solution uh, fit, right? Whether is this even a problem to solve, right? And to get initial traction. So during that time, maybe in uh, 2018, maybe about team size around 10. Right, then afterwards, right, once you're able to show that, hey, people are willing to pay for this, right? After get your first-hand customers, right? And that is where, okay, perhaps we could, this is a possibility, right? And that's where we start to, okay, maybe we should start investing more into R&D and invest more into sales and marketing, mm. right? So that is how we, the different trigger points, right, in terms of how the company grow. Yeah, of course, uh, after the seed round, right, then it's uh, towards, from the seed towards the A, right, it's more towards proving of a product market fit and gaining even more traction, right? So that's where you need to build the team even uh, bigger. And I think recently raised our A round last year, right? So now it's at the, the third phase already, right? It's about, it's, a, it's about chasing efficient growth and into other markets. So now we are also in Malaysia and Indonesia. Wow, wow, wow. So there are a few different like kind of stages as it's mentioned, right? Yes, there's, yes. there's angel funding and, there's, and, and congrats to the Series A funding of 4.6 million last year. And, and that gives you a, right. a good kind of pathway, right? To even grow further, right? Mm-hmm. To outside of Singapore. So was Singapore a test bidding kind of country that you kind of test on first to get a good product market fit before you can expand to other countries? Is that right? Is that? Yeah, I think uh, usually the country that you are in, most people use it as, I wouldn't say a uh, test bidding, but it's more of the uh, problem solution validation, right? Because mm. ultimately we are still, it's still more, uh, I wouldn't say a convenient, but it's where resources are the most accessible. Mm. And that's the fastest way to actually uh, learn. Yeah. Uh, so start off with uh, Singapore first, uh, validate the problem solution even further, find a PMF first and product market fit, right? And then uh, try to find, uh, I would say, a uh, channel market fit also. Mm. Yeah. Afterwards, all this is uh, being a workout, right? Then we look to other countries. Wow. I, I love that term of channel market fit because I've been always looking into PMF for the longest time since I'm, I was, I'm a PM. Mm. Tell us a bit more about the channel market fit here. What, what does it really right, mean? Right, right. So, so this is not a new term that I invented, right? <laughs> can be uh, found online also, right? So I think mm. the channel is more towards, what it means is more towards how are you distributing it in a more efficient way, mm. right? Because I think that in uh, startups, right, there's always, there's usually more than uh, one phase. I think what most people understand is about product market fit, right? Whereby, hey, your product is in the market already, wow, that's great, right? However, I think there's another thing known as a channel market fit, whereby it's about how efficiently and effectively can we distribute a product. Because only with a product market fit, right, it doesn't mean that you can scale or doesn't mean that your distribution will be very efficient right for example right product with product market fit could be high usage high retention right but without a channel market fit right it could mean that the acquisition cost of this particular product is super high right then ultimately right in terms of a business right you will not be sustainable anymore mm. so talk about scalability here right and, yes, and yes, extensibility yes. of the pmf yes, right and sustainability of the business growth also exactly exactly wow okay yeah that's cool i think i think you kind of touched a very good point of we were looking at growth 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 but 
the bottom line kind of you know the cost to grow right the cost mm. acquisition right of a user of a customer right that has to kind of come into play as well just kind of looking back a little bit right you had a series a funding and you had a angel funding mm. can you shed some light in terms of how to land on this funding on different stages from angel investors as well from series a funding right in terms of the yeah i share you in terms of the rounds and we had an angel round uh, that one was done by uh, jensen actually back all the way in the u.s <laughs> So I think during that round, it's more towards the belief in the founders, right? That's uh, the usual phase of the uh, angel round, right? Then I think the second one we have is actually our seed round. Okay, I think for that is, I think the key thing is about uh, proving that this is a likely problem and we have a right solution and we have some initial traction. So I think that's how we raise that seed round. In terms of the series A round, right, is whereby you must prove of real traction already. <laughs> mm. I think, and, and I'm not here to speak for the VCs, right, because I think that their thesis is changing, right? You know, in the past, it's always about uh, growth at all costs, right? but now it's a lot on the efficient growth. Whereby they look at a more, I would say, efficient matrix. Sales efficiency is, is one key thing, right? But how, efficiency, how efficient are you actually acquiring users? NDR, net dollar retention. But it's all very assess-related matrix. And, but I would say that the entire industry is probably a shifting to a more efficient way of evaluating companies. Yeah, actually, that's a very interesting topic on shift, right? In terms of mentality, like mentioned, like instead of growth at all costs, mm. <laughs> it's more about the efficiency and profitability, right? And scalability of startups, right? So that they mm. can invest in a sustainable way, right? I mm. think that's the thing, for sure, very hot topic recent, <laughs> <laughs> recent yeah. years, okay? So, so I mean, there, there are always changes, right? Across the past few years in terms of pivoting, right? Mm. So tell us a bit more about, you know, the key pivots for the past, let's say four years, right? Three to four years? Mm. Of running stuff any right right i think our first direct key people right probably during our first on six months already <laughs> oh okay, so during the first six months right you know initially when we started off right we uh, just built just a scheduling tool they were like hey the scheduling tool confirm can you know scheduling <laughs> just gonna chong it right okay but that's, that's where we realized right actually people are not really willing to pay for a scheduling tool and then we're like oh shit screw right you can't get money in right that means mm. that you know it might not be a viable business model, mm. right? So I think the key people at that point of time is about us also extending the product line to also doing time tracking. Mm. That is where the key value comes in. And the reason for that is a blue-collar workspace, right? Uh, shifts are always changing. Right? Because there's this concept known as a PAA, right? P stands for a planned schedule, actual schedule, and actual time attendance, okay? What the market have currently, without using us, right? Using mm. orders on Excel and their own uh, biometric or punch card, right? they will always have the planned schedule and the actual time attendance. Right? But what they are missing is actually the actual schedule. And then because of this, right, every time when they are going to do their own uh, timesheet consolidation, it's always uh, inaccurate. And many a times, actually all these uh, blue-collar industry companies like the F&B and retail, they're overpaying their staff because of some inaccuracy they're not able to verify. And we just like, okay, I, I pay first, all right? <laughs> and that's where we come in. So now we are able to do the schedule and we are able to let them update the schedule easily, we have the actual schedule and the actual time attendance. And that's how we do all these uh, timesheet reconciliation. Wow. Is that the only pivot, like the first six months? Like since then, for the past, say, two years, any kind of pivots that happened? Right. Then I think another probably more notable uh, pivot is probably be during uh, COVID, right? I wouldn't say it's like a huge uh, pivot, but more of a, a tapping down onto the uh, opportunity to evaluate, right? That is where we come up with, you know, all these uh, ART reminders on the solution itself. So that this is uh, easier for the uh, administrators, right, to know that, hey, I need to remind my guys to also, you know, do their ART and uh, test for work. Because we are serving a lot of in, in the blue-collar industry, right, but it's, uh, at that point of time, right, it's uh, necessary for them to do all those uh, tests to work. Mm. 
and it is value adding right to, to your clients in fact right because yes, that's yes. kind of you will think that is oh cool cool so you have you have this platform and you value add the ART reminder that helps right uh, with their mm. process right yeah. tell us a bit more about the discovery process right how do you manage to say that hey instead of scheduling it's actually tracking time do you um stay very close to the clients or even those who are punching the cards right 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 yeah, so for this is uh, what we always believe in, right? To always uh, embrace our customers and be very close to them. I would say that for us, right, especially at the initial phase, right, we need to be uh, super close, right? Call that's where insights are super important. Yeah, we always uh, go and uh, visit them like very frequently. And we also like, create a like, WhatsApp group with them, right? our own personal number, right? <laughs> then whenever they have issues, right, we we'll just try to attend to them. Right? Because at that point, at the initial phase, right, one of the key things is about uh, information collection, right? I think uh, time, people like to say time is money, right? And time is very key. Right, the faster you understand and learn about them, the faster you are able to make better decisions to create a product that can create more value for them. Definitely, definitely. Makes sense, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. You're also doing a, a PM role, right? Also yes. Also close with your customers as well, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. And lo- loving customers, staying close to them, getting insights from them is definitely very product management like skill, right? As well mm-hmm. as not loving the solution, right? I think what you, what you mentioned just now on, on the key people, not loving the solution of scheduling but understanding what the client's problems really are right in terms of mm. hey their problem statement is probably the, the whole tracking of matching that end-to-end mm. matching right so i think that's what you are trying to solve and kind of double down on adding even more value of ERT reminders and definitely there are a lot more opportunities that you could kind of explore with them yeah i think it's always key to always be a customer obsessor right yes. so even uh, until for now right uh, we do have a culture whereby uh, everyone in staff any right will be assigned a customer support duty every day we'll just uh, rotate Nice. Yeah, that will allow them to empathize, right? With the actual day-to-day, right? Everyone actually has a duty roster, right? <laughs> that we also use on our staff any uh, app to actually assign. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so sometimes I'm also on duty, right? Then I'll also be uh, doing the uh, customer uh, queries. Right. Hey, that's, that's a good idea. I mean, for all the members to kind of not even one-time onboarding is actually a continuous empathy or experience, right? With being close to customers, which is mm. actually very important, right? What problems they are, mm. they are facing, even engineers, even designers. PM, sales, whoever, even co-founders yourself <laughs> doing customer support, right? Which is actually fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Great insights, great insights. Look, take it one step back, right? In terms mm. of you have three co-founders, right? Four of you, very strong team. How do you get alignment? I'm always very curious about getting alignment because four of you are very strong kind of leaders, right? But there are definitely things that need to get alignment across basically mm. on the strategy or direction of the company. What is your advice on that? Right, right. So I think uh, for us, uh, like even for me personally, I'm quite uh, thankful uh, right, for the four of us to always you know to still be on this uh, journey together. Because I think there's a lot of uh, horror stories, right, by co-founders. Yeah. You know, uh, within the first two years, a lot of them are broken up with you, right? So I think the key thing here, right, is uh, personality and complementary skill sets, uh, right? So I think uh, Jensen was the one that uh, pieced all us together. I think Jensen is able to identify our personality and uh, complementary skill sets. So there are a lot of things that need to be aligned at the start, right, in terms of how are you going to make uh, decisions? These are things that we actually align from the start. Like, you know, when let's say it's a two, two versus two, how should the decision be made? And uh, how we go about it is we are okay to disagree and commit. And the key thing is about how are we making decisions? Like the final say, right, will be the person who's in charge of that particular department. So in a way, right, each of us are given ownership for our specific and respective uh, fields. Yeah, and so far this has been uh, working for us. Because uh, like, uh, we trust each other and we know that everyone is uh, thinking the best for the company. Yeah, I think Trust is really the keyword here, right? Trust yeah. among, the, uh, among the team, as well as you mentioned a uh, principle of disagreeing and committing. Yeah. Right? It's, it's fine to disagree, but still commit because they trust your partner, yeah. right? 
in making a decision for the company, not for only the department. Right? I think that's where there's a lot of synergy and a lot of trust and partnership between the co-founders that make it work. Yeah, I think it's also a value system, right? Whereby, you know, we are okay to not always take things in terms of like that. If I believe in this rough direction, right, it's okay to hear other opinions, right? We can't be like stumbly uh, trying to uh, do something uh, all the time. I think it's always important to have the understanding also. Uh, and if we were to disagree and commit, it's always important for those who don't fully agree to also do their best. And we trust that everyone is doing their best. Yeah. And speaking of uh, value system or even culture, right? How do you build a culture of the company? I mean, given you have like 40 over, from four packs to 40 over, how do you extend or evangelize the culture, build a culture across the company? Right. I would say that a lot of things needs to happen from the start, right? Because I think a lot of other founders, whenever you ask in the podcast, right? They always say culture building is probably one of the challenges, right? Yeah, exactly. I think three things are right. It needs to be consistent from the start. It's something that, you know, the early members will also need to follow through with it. And lastly, it's about how do we share this with the new people? So I think these are the three key uh, trigger points uh, that uh, is very important. Right? If, let's say you miss it from the start, right? It's okay also, but it's harder to change. But you need to be very firm and make a very hard stance and make that change happen. Got it. Consistency is the, is the thing, right? Yes, yes. It's not today you say A and then next week. Or if rather consistency between what you evangelize and what you really do on yeah, the ground. Yeah. I think that's where important. it's not about consistency between what you say. It's consistency between what you say and what you do, right? I think that's, that's even more important. And I can see that, you know, yeah. <laughs> People can, can see that. You can see that. You're, you're, you're not consistent. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a very important keyword. Consistency. And just like I mentioned about trust as well. And if the culture is really positive in the company and they also trust each other because this whole positive culture mm. of empathy, I mentioned, and also mm. trust and as well as partnership between departments. Yeah. Okay. So, I think a good segue to a question where I'm very curious on for the past few years, I mean, there are founders listening in. There are also kind of product folks listening in and even sales folks probably listen, listening in, what is the most painful lesson, right, you, you face being a founder that we'd like to share with our listeners? Right, right, right. I would say uh, one of the most painful stuff, right, I think it's something that probably most hiring members we also face, right, it's about, you know, when not everyone is a perfect hirer, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes we might be fine. Some of the team members might not be uh, fully suitable for the role, not that they are lousy or what, but probably it's more of a, a fit, right? And, and how do you deal with that? Right, I think that is one of the, the key things that is painful but necessary. Right? How, how do you handle underperformance? Right? They are good people, but probably that the role don't really uh, suit them. Right? So for those who are going through this, I think it's always important to be aware. Right? Whenever we deal with uh, such a uh, situation, always have empathy and to always uh, know that it's not that, but it's more of a suitability of the role. Uh. Then how do we deliver that message? And probably that one, we need to find another session to really go through about how to do that. I think that that's one of the key lessons uh, that I learned. Uh. Yeah, managing the quality of team, I think is important, right? And managing uh, exits, lah. I mean, it's, it's not, especially in a startup where, you know, where it's never a perfect hire you mentioned, right? If you suddenly hire mm. a very good guy, right? If you suddenly hire a guy might not be super, very fit, but might be fit for other roles, perhaps, right? Uh, compared yeah. to a big company where they can kind of shift them to other departments that might be a better fit. In, in a startup, definitely, there's oh, must be a way to kind of manage that, right, in a way. Yeah, and, and maybe to end on, I think it's usually uh, for such uh, instances, it's, uh, it's very painful, right? Because ultimately, it's like, you know, I always uh, envision it like basketball or soccer team, right? If you get that person on, right? Hey, so hey, come out the way, right? 
But let's say if you're unsuitable, right, then it's a bit tough, right? Because the intention is always to, hey, we're going to do this all the way already, right? Then that's why it's, uh, I would say, more the painful side that we need to nice, learn. Nice, I like I like your analogy of, of, of a football team, right? We are a fan of each club, by the way. Oh, oh, Liverpool, okay, Liverpool okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I used to be like a Man U fan here, like Alex Ferguson times. <laughs> uh, Liverpool, right? never, never walk alone, right? Okay, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good motto, good motto. Cool, kind of, good, you know, we're kind of uh, maybe wrapping up in the next kind of 15 minutes, right? The few questions more of, you know, what's the future? What, what's next? What's next for stuff in the next 2023 at least? Right, right. So yeah, I just share with uh, you guys in terms of the vision, right? Although I should say, I share this at the start, right? <laughs> so actually, uh, our vision for the company is to be the de facto operating system for hourly work. So what does this mean, right? You know, whenever now you buy a Windows PC, right? It always comes with a Microsoft PowerPoint or Excel, right? Uh, we want to be that operating system whereby whenever someone open an F&B or retail, instead of using Excel, right? They'll just use stuff any straight. So that's the, the vision that we are uh, gearing towards too, to be the operating system of the blue-collar industry for Southeast Asia. And in terms of where we are at, I think just now I shared, now we are in uh, Singapore, Malaysia and Indonesia, right? The next phase of Star Fanny is actually to tackle this problem on uh, retention. Because now we know that, you know, for all the blue collars, it's very hard to, hard to, you know, hire people, right? If we are thinking about how, how about we solve the problem in a different way, right? Whereby we help with retention. And why we are able to do this is because, you know, as a first level base right now, they are using us to manage our guys, right? We know their work history and work patterns. How can we use all this data? empower employers to gamify the entire shift work experience, right? Because a uh, shift is always like not, it's, I mean, blue collar work is not easy, right? And, and how can we make it more exciting for them? Could it be right? We are able to gamify in a way whereby if let's say an employee is punctual 95% of the time, they get certain points. Or if let's say an employee work more shifts, they get even more points at the end of the month, right? Either they can be on the leaderboard or they can actually use all these points to redeem for something. Mm. So that at least you make their work more meaningful and more fun. Yeah, so so that is uh, the the thing we are actually working on nice. now. Nice. I I like the point of making it fun because we hear this word shift, uh, right? It's it kind of relates to sien uh. I mean to be honest, right? My wife yeah. is a nurse, she used to work shift for like a zillion years, right? Until hmm. now, like until now obviously she's not working shift. So <laughs> when you say shift is like on night shift, day shift, you know, eight hour shift, twelve hour shift, right? Yeah. So I think making it fun definitely makes things definitely spice up the whole from from sien to fun, right? You know? Yeah, making making this shift. Yeah, into hey, I want to do this. You want you want to make them Correct. want to do it instead of uh, dragging their feet to go like and do it. Okay, and and that ultimately helps with retention and also growth for uh, your partners, right? To have basically more familiarity mm. of employees in the in the system. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, cool. What what is next? Next next question is more for you know, listeners who are a similar stage or even earlier stage than you, right? Trying to find funding, trying to find a PMF, or trying to find footing, right? To get to success. So what, what is one piece of you know advice you'd like to give for listeners within this persona? All right, uh, never give, give up. up. <laughs> I think most people say that, right? But never give up is a bit too broad, right? But I think the key thing behind uh, never give up, right? Is to always have the hunger, right? And to also encourage the entire team to have that kind of uh, hunger mentality, right? Uh, hunger doesn't mean go and burn out. Uh. No, that, that's mm. not what I meant, uh. right? But whenever there's a, a job to be done, right? Uh, make sure everyone uh, communicate and get it across the line. Mm. And, and, don't, and don't give up, right? Because let's say you fall down once, right? You just need to pick yourself and just continue moving. Agree. Yeah. I mean, you, you really bring a lot of clarity and elaboration to, to this phrase of don't give up, right? You mentioned not to burn up because hunger tends to be, oh, I'm hungry for impact. Let's yes, impact. Yeah. And you go, 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 go. After the three months, you're like, punch it, eh? right? And that's, that's uh, really important, right? Because every time we punch it, right? There's actually uh, more cause 
than benefit, right? So for for example, right, if, if let's say right, you are always working like uh ten hours a day, right? If let's say you then uh maybe you push yourself a bit more, right? Maybe you work uh eleven hours a day, right? But let's say within but let's say every month, right? You actually fall sick for one week every month because of this extra push. Uh, if you to see net net, uh, the total productivity hours is actually lesser <laughs> than doing that uh, 10 hours a day only. So I think you need to know how to push, but don't over push. If not, you have, can actually have a reverse effect. Yeah, true, true. I think, I think, think long term, right? Kind of think, think long term, not just uh, today or this year. It's really think long term where you can sustain, right? And, and mm. speaking of like, don't, don't burn out, like what do you do, right? Maybe from a personal perspective, like what do you do to, to avoid or prevent burnout? Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> Interesting question. So for me, I'll, I'll do two things, like, right? Uh, number one is, uh, so for me, I tend to run uh, twice a week, try to do some uh, intervals, right? And I think that every time it helps me uh, clear my mind. Second thing that I do, right, uh, is that I would uh, read. Mm. Right? Sometimes I think uh, reading also helps you to shift your focus onto uh, something else. So, uh, so these are two things that I, I would do. Run and read, uh. Wow. Okay. Nice. 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 Yeah. A bit boring. No, it's good. <laughs> Actually, these two are very kind of easy to access, right? In terms of you, you look like people say like music or like other things, right? This running and reading is really very reachable, right? And, and accessible in a way, right? To kind of, mm. but everybody is different and unique, right? Yeah. So obviously, to everybody who is kind of listening in as well, kind of find a way to get your interest to basically right. don't burn out, right? Think think long term, right? And perhaps if there's any advice on how to go about this uh, uh, thing, right? I think mindset is also very important. And I think there's uh, two, two key ways of uh, thinking, right? That is uh, very helpful to always uh, keep yourself on track, right? I think the first one would be the, the top whereby more of an abundance mindset, right? Abundance mindset, meaning that, you know, there is always uh, opportunities, right? Whenever something bad hit you, right? It's only one out of the uh, many, right? And the second thing is to always, you know, uh, think far instead of uh, thinking near, right? And uh, what, what do I mean by this, right? Uh, think far whereby you can envision yourself succeeding. You can envision that all things will go well, right? Instead of uh, thinking near, whereby usually the, the thing that's happening near, right, will be all your, wow, the work you need to do, la, the, mm. the, 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 the huge amount of uh, coordination you do. La. These are all the the obstacles that will prevent you from actually reaching your end destination. So always uh, think far and have the end in mind. Yeah, think far and end in mind. And, and the mindset of abundance, I think, right, there's always other opportunities out there, right? Don't be kind of uh, have a setback like for this current failure, right? I guess that's more of a mindset of abundance. There's always, there's a next opportunity that you can tackle, right? And, and think, think long term, mm. right? And, and I think thanks for inspiring. Mm. I think you, you are inspiring me at this current moment, Eugene. Um, <laughs> and I believe you're also inspiring the listeners the question back to you is who inspired you the most? Who inspired me the most? Uh? Uh, this is quite funny though, but I think uh, I haven't really thought through deeply about this at this point of time. I'm pretty clear that you know, a few years back, right? Do you watch uh, anime or read manga? Oh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I was kind of inspired by Naruto oh, during my younger Naruto, days. Oh, right? I was. Seen, seen and heard a lot about Naruto, but just haven't really gone into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the key thing there is uh, more towards uh, determination, right? And being true to yourself. I think that's uh, the key thing that I've uh, gotten out from that story, uh, right? And I think that it's uh, pretty uh, meaningful, right? Maybe in short, it's more towards like a, like a boy who is uh, being uh, looked down at, at the start, right? But eventually become a hero, right? But the, the key thing is that he always takes true to his values and he always uh, persevere. Eventually, he gets to where he is. So I think that is quite interesting for me in the past. Wow, wow. I'm like, imagine I'm like looking at Naruto right now in front of me. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> what, you just, what, what you just shared in the past 30 minutes is basically what you just, you know, 
described as a as a Naruto, right? In a sense, right? Not giving up, right? 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 A small boy. I mean, you're relatively young, relatively young, right? And trying to kind of make success out of this. That's definitely cool. Last question of this episode. Um, actually, I should ask you this question at the start, right? But this question is, your CRO. What is a CRO? Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, saving the best question for definitely. Last. <laughs> so, uh, CRO stands for Chief uh, Revenue Officer. So uh, what I do, right, I look at everything from uh, the start of the acquisition to the end of the acquisition. So it encompasses our sales team, marketing team, account management team, and the country leads in both countries. Got it. Yeah, so that is what I look at. And maybe in terms of the key things I look at, it's about how efficient can we grow and how fast can we grow with current resource. Got it, got it. Thank, thanks for sharing on CRO, on Chief Revenue Officer, right? We look at the, after this department. Probably that's, 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 a, probably that's a newer role in our region, I guess. It is. It actually like it's similar to CFO, but it's more impactful. I mean, like it's not so number driven, but it's more than F, right? It's actually revenue, very impact driven role that they, they are doing, which is which is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, cool. Then thank you for your time. We are kind of 30, 35 minutes, right? I think that's where we where we kind of wrap up this episode. But <laughs> thank you for your time, Eugene. We will continue to be the Naruto, right? Continue to inspire others and continue to be having the determination to drive our impact, uh, in HR tech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for this session, Eric. I think uh, this podcast is amazing. That hopefully, looking forward to more of these uh, such podcasts, where you're able to inspire more people who want to delve into the realm of entrepreneurship, want to be part of a startup. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Your Great Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Chase your dreams. Live out your passion and discover your great story.